Hello and welcome in to another episode of the Fantasy Football Podcast. Coming at you with our tight end draft strategy here today. It is Cody, it is Nick. Cody, how are you doing? It's only 12.30 in the morning on a Friday. Uh, We just recorded our QB draft strategy episode. I don't know if you wanted to skip the banter and head straight into our football. Uh, How are you feeling right now? It's pretty late. Uh, it is pretty late, but I'm feeling pretty good. I will say we are introducing a new a new start to the show. Yeah. We're going to be mixing up some hot takes with a couple of other things just so that way we're not 85 hot takes in for by week four. It'll be pretty cold. Um, so we're going to be doing Mount Rushmore, and we're going to be drafting. If you're a fan of Pardon My Take, it's basically a complete rip off of them, but that's all right. It's the podcast game. It is what it is. Uh, we're going to be drafting our favorite drinks to order at a bar, so... Uh, I have the first pick. Nick will then have two and three, and it'll snake back and forth until we each have four. I'll actually make a pretty fun graphic and throw it up on social media as well, which actually brings me to a good point. If you were following the Facebook page, it was hacked. It's now gone. (laughs) There will be another one out within the next week or so, so make sure to check that out. Uh, Check out the YouTube, Twitters, Instagram, TikTok, all that kind of good stuff. we got content flowing. It is that time of year. Uh, but Nick, I'm ready to jump into Mount Rushmore. Do you have any comments for the people before we get into it? No, let's jump in, Cody. Go ahead. I'm, I'm excited to hear what your 101 is. Yeah, so well, before we started recording, there was a clear 101, so I, I was happy with this pick. And you can throw a red flag. I'm not going to get like super specific on a lot of my drinks where I'm like, it has to be like this specific one. But for me, if I go to a bar and I'm sitting at the bar, most of the time what I'm going to order is a nice cold draft beer. It can be an IPA if I'm at a brewery. I can drink it there. It can be if I'm watching a football game and I'm going to be drinking for 12 hours, it could be a light beer. I don't care, but my number one drink order when I go to a bar is just a nice cold draft beer. So I'm taking that with the first overall pick. Draft beer is a really solid selection. Uh, I didn't know how specific we were getting, so I was wondering if we were going to go, you know, IPA. Hazy you can IPA, get as yada, specific yada. as you want. No, that's fine. If you, you can want to shout out a beer. specific drink. I Most of my list consists of cocktails, so I think we're going to be all right. Uh, when it comes down to actual flavor, I think cocktails are where you know my actual like favorites come from. I really do like draft beer. I order it all the time at bars, but if I am just going strictly based on flavor, cocktails are where uh, my heart is. So with my first pick, I will go with a whiskey ginger beer. Uh, you can make it a mule to a whiskey mule. Uh, absolutely delicious. I love ginger ale, ginger beer. Uh, just love the aftertaste. It is kind of a a very specific flavor and whiskey in particular is my favorite, uh, you know, type of alcohol. So that is my number one. Jameson ginger actually is the, the go-to specifically if I had to choose. So just throw that out there. Uh, shout out to Jameson, uh, only in mixed drink form. I can't take it straight. My second overall pick uh, will be an old-fashioned. I've gotten really into these recently, actually, probably within the last year and a half. Never much of a whiskey sipper guy until, uh, you know, again, like I turned about 25 and I just started being able to tolerate it. Gone to every every fancy dinner I ever go to now, I, I got to try out their old-fashioned because it has become one of my favorite drinks and I feel like it, it makes me seem sophisticated. So I'm going to go with old-fashioned as my second overall pick. I anytime I order an old fashioned, I always just like stroke. Oh my yeah, not beard. I have it ages you about like, ten oh, years. Yeah, no one's asking for your ID when you order an old fashioned. You're, you're just like, oh, you have some for hair sure. on your chest. 
<laughs> for sure. Okay, I like I like that pick. I, I don't think it would have been in my Mount Rushmore, but I have ordered it. I do enjoy it when I order it. It's just not my go-to. Mm-hmm. Um, my tier, I guess not my tier, my, my second pick in my Mount Rushmore, I am going to get more specific, but feel free to take something of the same genre, but it's just me. It's basically Tito's and whatever mixer I am feeling on that given night. Uh, Tito's Vodka, no free shout-outs to them. They actually sponsor podcasts, so if you find us, feel free to throw us an email. Uh, Tito's they, anything, huh? That's your big – you got you to pick a mixer. I mean, What's your favorite? My favorite – I mean, my favorite go-to would be Tito's and soda, but then I have them put just like a spritz of lemonade in it okay. so you get the lemonade flavor without like – Drinking all the Vodka sugar that's in the standard lemonade. lemonade. That's good. Okay, there we go. I'll put that down instead of just Tito's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't. They don't deserve the shout out no. anyway. So <laughs> vodka soda, splash lemonade. What's your third overall pick, Cody? Yep, absolutely. Sorry, I'm writing all these down no, so I can get the graphic made. Um, my third pick. I think I'm going to go specific again. And it's it's just because it's it's what has been my probably third most ordered drink at bars over the past six months, and it's going to be the cherry lime quirk from oh, Boulevard Brewery here in pick. Kansas City. Oh, Love it! Such a good I pick. cannot get enough of it. It literally like especially draft. I can drink it yes, out of a can perfectly so fine, but if you can go to a bar that has a draft, it is phenomenal. It's so, the only good draft seltzer. I'm going to steal that one. By the way, the Cork Seltzer is the only good draft seltzer. I have not had any other draft seltzer that is remotely close. Uh, I, they just, for some reason, Boulevard has figured out how to have their seltzers keep carbonation in draft form. So if you haven't tried it, go try it. It's outstanding. Cody's right. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. That one I was going to let slip to the four because you said you had a lot of mixed drinks on yours, but I knew you were a fan as well, and I, I wanted that on my Mount Rushmore. So let's hear your three and four pick, Nick. So number three, I'm going to go with a fun one. This is not uh, a drink that you order at every bar or even most bars, uh, but it is probably one of my favorite drinks to order because I think it's my favorite tasting drink that there is out there, and that's a pina colada, baby. Give me a pina colada as my third overall pick. Absolutely delicious. Anytime I am anywhere on any coast, I am ordering a pina colada immediately upon landing. It is my favorite tasting drink in the whole world. I think there's enough said. There's not much else to go on there. It's absolutely delicious. Uh, Obviously frozen with a cherry and orange uh, if we can get one. Uh, It's it's amazing, Cody. Uh, What do you think about pina coladas? What a pick. Um, not even on my radar, and it easily would have been one of my top three picks. I love a frozen pina colada. Oh, Cody, uh, when we're in you, the Ozarks you in a couple weeks, not, you'll see me order a couple of them. Trust me. That, that's close yeah. enough to the water. <laughs> if you have not checked out our quarterback episode that released on Friday, go back and check that one out. I mentioned that my grandparents have a place in Florida. And if you go there in the wintertime, that's when it's in season down there, obviously. You go to their pool, they have a tiki hut pool, and you get basically served while you're at your lounge chair. Probably top moment of my life was just getting handed frozen pina coladas while I was in the sun on the at the pool. It was it was a top-tier moment for sure. So I'm all Chef's about kiss, pina baby. coladas. Great pick. Yeah, pina absolutely. coladas are absolutely delicious. They deserve all the praise in the world. And then my last pick, I was between two. I'm going to see what you think about the one that I don't pick. I'm going to go with a vodka Red Bull. Uh, you know, it's a very, it's a staple for me. 
something that, you know, I use to pick me up at the end of the night if I need to, you know, squeeze out an extra hour of energy. Something that, again, as a, as a, as a restaurant worker, I think anybody that has been in the industry for a decent amount of time and has gone out with friends that, that work in restaurants, you can appreciate a vodka Red Bull because uh, it's a staple, especially in that industry. My, my pick that I was actually, I'm going to, I'm going to let you make your pick because I don't want to okay. make sure that you don't, you don't, you know, use that, but uh, I'll, I'll give my secondary pick cause it's in the same vein after this. I'll just give that I, disclaimer. I actually have a funny honorable mention. I will throw out there after you do yours as well. So okay. my number four slot is probably going to be my most ordered beverage at a bar over the course of my lifetime. And I think if you're out with just about anybody, you can get a round of it and there's going to be someone who doesn't like it, but most of the people will stomach it if it's bought for them. And that's the good old Vegas bomb. If you, <laughs> if you're going to get a shot, if you're going to get a shot like that, the Vegas bomb is just Very about popular. the go-to for everybody. So uh, I can say I've had plenty of Vegas bombs in my life, probably more than I should uh, have consumed at this point in my life. So that is going to be the fourth spot on my Mount Rushmore. So that gives me draft beer, vodka soda with a splash of lemonade, quirk cherry lime, and Vegas bombs. And Nick has Jameson and ginger beer, old fashioned, frozen pina colada, mm. and a vodka Red Bull. Oh, what a draft. What we'll, a draft. That we'll sounds like such a good there. night. Yeah. A hell of a hangover, we'll, we'll, but a good night. Yeah, we'll, we'll throw the graphic and maybe a poll up on social, see what people think who had the better Mount Rushmore or something, try and get some interaction that way. But I, I think for our first one, we nailed it. I don't think there's too much outside of those four that uh, a lot of people would throw up there outside of your specialty cocktails and stuff like that. But what was your the one you were deciding between? So uh, I think I, I, an espresso martini is – I think that is probably my second favorite tasting drink behind a pina colada, but – I figured since I had gone old fashioned pina colada, I had to lighten it up a little bit. You know, vodka Red Bull, you can stomach two or three of those in a night. If you have an espresso martini, you know, you're not you're not having a second one. And especially with the same with the pina colada, you know, those aren't drinks that you're having multiple of in a row. So I kinda wanted to pace myself. I was I was actually building a drink menu for myself in a single night. You know, and I, I feel like if I was out you know, having a good time on a beach, I could have all four of those and be okay. Whereas I'm not sure I could throw an espresso martini into that mix instead of a vodka Red Bull, but it is a delicious drink. So it was in consideration. That's fair. I have not had enough espresso martinis for it to be considered in mine. I, the one I've had, I actually loved. It's just always on like the back burner of like drink options I want. And then like if Victoria and I are out at like dinner or something, it's like, do I really want an espresso martini to enjoy with my burger or whatever I'm having with dinner? You absolutely do. All right. (laughs) I will try it. My, my honorable mention that did not make it was simply the closing time water. When you've obviously had way too much to drink that night, you got to find your way home. It does hit different. You just need something to sober you up just a little bit. So the closing time water was going to be my my honorable mention pick. Only served in a super tiny plastic cup that should be a lot bigger than it is. That that's the that's the the best to go because uh, you just you enjoy every ounce of that water as you're leaving too. One hundred percent. All right, uh, let's go ahead and jump into our tight end draft strategy, Cody, so we can get to bed before two o'clock, hopefully. Um, 
So if you weren't around for the quarterback draft strategy, I'm just going to go over uh, the way this works real quick. We tiered everybody out uh, into you know their ADP slots. We're going to go through each tier. We are you know going to touch on each guy on this list most likely, but some of the later guys I think we will breeze through. We're not necessarily going to give a one by one player analysis, but again, based on our you know comments on each player, you're going to know how we feel about guys. If we don't talk about them, we probably don't like them that much at their ADP. Starting out with tier one, Cody, that is Travis Kelsey, and he is in his own tier. ADP 6.1 in the middle of the first round. Incredibly high for a tight end, but uh, he probably deserves it. Cody, uh, I think the, the first and only question that we have here for this tier is, are you paying the premium for Travis Kelsey? Probably just one time, because I <laughs> want to have the benefit of having Travis Kelsey on just one of my lineups. Um but in both the mock drafts and the underdog that I've been doing, um, it's just if I draft Kelsey in the first, I just feel like the rest of my team just doesn't get to the same level as it does when I'm taking, obviously, a later. Obvious. I mean, that's uh, pretty obvious stuff there. But when I just look at the teams with Kelsey in the tight end versus some of these other guys we're going to get to and the other players I can get, it's very tough. Um, for me, there's a clear six I would put in front of Kelsey if I was drafting. That's McCaffrey and Eckler at the running back position. And then um, Chase, Jamar Jefferson, Chase, Hill. Justin Jefferson, Cup, and Hill. Mm-hmm. If those six are off the board and I'm at the seventh spot, like I said, at least one time I want to get Kelsey just because, I mean, we're kind of nerds at this. I wouldn't mind drafting a team around Kelsey and then just having to play a season off of that mm-hmm. just so that way I can kind of see what that feels like personally. Um but like, but if if he's there at the seventh pick in every single one of my drafts, and I have the seventh pick, I wouldn't take him every single time. No, he would be a guy I want one or two pieces of, but just a little too. He's not risky. It's just the rest of your team gets risky around him, which just concerns me a little bit. Yeah, six is a little too rich for me as well. I'd probably echo your sentiment. I'd like to have him in uh, one or two spots, but uh, most likely not going to have a ton of Kelsey this year. Uh, being drafted this high, uh, I, I gave a disclaimer on the quarterbacks episode about the you know top tier quarterbacks, and that was basically if you're in a ten team or smaller league, I believe that the onesie positions, that being the positions you only play one up, quarterback and tight end, those positional advantages become especially important because the running backs and wide receivers you're going to find on the wire are going to be better than they are in deeper leagues. So if that was the case, I'm considering Kelsey at seven. Uh, you know, depending on who's going off the board, like you said, I agree with the top six you gave. I would honestly throw Nick Chubb and Stefan Diggs into that top six. So I may even wait till nine if Kelsey's there in, again, a 10-team league. I'm probably taking him, but it's a pretty specific situation that I'm speaking of. So most 12-team leagues, I don't see myself having any Travis Kelsey in redraft, unfortunately, but... Uh, you know, it's just a, it's just a manner of the ADP. It has nothing to do with him. him as a player. I think he'll give you a big positional advantage, which is really important. But like you said, your the the asset that you're giving up is just a little bit too much for me to stomach, especially because the next guy in tier two I like quite a bit, and you can get him two rounds later. Uh, Cody, do you have any other comments on Kelsey? Yeah, I I wanted to get your sentiment on this because I was thinking about Travis Kelsey the other day, and I noticed I went back and. 
a couple of my leagues. I don't think Kelsey was traded in our league, which makes sense with it being a keeper. But in all of my other redrafts in like one keeper leagues, I'm pretty sure Kelsey was traded off of a relatively bad team who spent an early pick on him to a playoff caliber team towards the later end of the season. So for me, just mentally, that makes me think that if you aren't the sharpest drafter or you're not nailing those later picks or not nailing the waiver wire like you should, going early tight end can really cost you when you're as we'll get into when in most leagues, when you're at, let's say standards by 12 or 10 that, you know, you're most likely going to be able to snag someone. Ah, I'm, I lost my train of thought on that comment. Ignore that part. But for me, like I said, I just feel like a lot of teams traded Kelsey in a lot of my leagues last year to better teams who had better rosters. So I just think that there's a little bit of a disadvantage. You put yourself getting one of those onesie positions that early. Yeah, top 20 picks in the fantasy draft are just gold. You need to hit them, uh, and if you don't, you're probably not going to win your league. Kelsey, again, like you said, not going to kill you, but most likely not going to win your league for you either at that position. Uh, just, I mean, having that advantage at the tight end is great, but there are guys scoring way more points than Kelsey's going to score at that spot. Like you said, like uh, Tyreek Hill, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, as good as Kelsey is, he is pretty far behind those guys on a points-per-game basis, even if he's ahead of the other tight ends. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into my tier two. It's also a one person tier and that is Mark Andrews. His ADP is 32.3. That is late third. I, uh, already alluded to it when I was speaking of the tight end tiers previously. I like him quite a bit at this tier. I think I'm or at this, uh, ADP. I think I'm going to have a decent amount of Andrews this year. Cody, how do you feel about Yep. I, if you listen to Friday's episode, I mentioned this a couple times. I did a couple best ball drafts. Mark Andrews actually fell to the three, four turn in oh, those best ball please. drafts. That was the easiest draft selection of the entire draft. That was, I got him in one, I think I actually, no, one of them, he was taking the pick before me, but both drafts I was on the three, four turn and I got him in one and he fell there on another. So um, if he is falling to that point in your draft, you should take him there all day. This ADP, I guess, has him closer to the, I, yeah, yeah, that is pretty close third. to the three, end four, the third. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm i there on Mark Andrews all day. I, at that point, I either have two solid wide receivers, two solid running backs, or one of each, and then I get to draft I get to draft Andrews, and then I get to draft another guy basically after. And what I've also noticed in these drafts is there's some good running backs that fall to that five, six turn that have some breakout potential this year that I kind of like a little bit. So I don't really like – a good draft strategy for me is going wide receiver, wide receiver on the one, two, grabbing Mark Andrews, and then going wide receiver running back. And then that five, six turn, getting two of my favorite running backs that are falling there. I've made a lot of mock drafts of that exact strategy. I think if I'm in, if I'm in the end of the third, Mark Andrews is my third round target. And I would even do it all the way up into the mid third. I think is a fine value for Mark Andrews as well. Yeah, I have a hard time passing him up in the late third. When it comes to Mark Andrews, it's really just what you believe about last year, in my opinion, because if you remember last season, going into the year, it was Kelsey or Andrews, and both of them were second-round picks, and some people were taking Andrews, some some people were taking Kelsey. It was a very legitimate decision that you were making between those two, and early on, it looked like Andrews was going to be the right pick. Then Jackson gets banged up. Andrews gets banged up himself, and he really struggles uh, as he finishes the year. The whole Baltimore offense really did as well. Uh, but do you believe that you know the injuries to the offense and to Andrews himself were the culprit for his down year, 
or do you believe, uh, you know, maybe he just wasn't quite the player he was the year before when he uh, actually took the tight end one mantle from Kelsey? So I believe the latter. I think he's a great player. I think in an offense with some more options around him and an offense that should throw a lot more, he'll have more opportunity. He'll have more single coverage and uh, he should be able to bounce back nicely. He's only 28. That's pretty young for a tight end, especially those guys tend to peak around uh, age 30. Kelsey, as good as he's been, he is, you know, what, 34, 35. We don't know when the age cliff's going to come for him. He might have a couple years left, but he's much more likely to drop off from a skill standpoint than Andrews is, in my opinion. And you're getting, like we said, a two-round premium on him. I, uh, you know, I, I can't pass that up. I am, I am targeting Andrews in late third. I would rather have those first two picks spent on running backs and wide receivers uh, than, you know, the tight end first and then the running backs and wide receivers after yeah, absolutely. I mean, just for the listeners, so that way you guys can get some, uh, just some names behind this. So in a mock draft I did that was released on Thursday, we had uh, Travis Kelsey was the fifth overall pick mm-hmm. by an AI, and then uh, Mark Andrews got taken at the two three turn, which I don't really love that as much, but a little bit of a reach. If you if you go if you're going off an of NFC ADP. The sixth pick was Austin Eckler, and then the thirty-second pick would be Josh uh, Devontae Smith or Debo Samuel yeah. in this league. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm easily taking Austin Eckler and Mark Andrews versus Travis Kelsey and Debo Samuel. Right, like, I think exactly. that's pretty. That's a pretty smart way to build your team. So um, yeah, I just. I just think there's going to be a lot of people drafting Kelsey that are just going to be trading him towards the end of the season again because you just you lose that depth at other positions and it's just not easy to recuperate that depth. Um, especially the highest level talent of that depth just doesn't find its way through the waiver wires. Yeah, couldn't agree more. We both like Andrews at his ADP right now. Uh, let's go ahead and jump to tier three. Uh, this one's a little more muddy. I think TJ Hawkinson almost deserves to be in his own mini tier based on ADP, uh, not based on our analysis, uh, but he is going at 44.7, which is wild to me. That is very high for TJ Hawkinson. Uh, George Kittle, Darren Waller, Kyle Pitts, and Dallas Goddard round out this tier. Kittle and Goddard are separated by only 13 picks, and Waller and Pitts are right in between them. Pitts closer to Goddard, Waller closer to Kittle. Uh, so they are, you know, round five and then early round six picks uh, between Kittle and Goddard. So uh, what do we think about these guys? Is there anybody in this tier that you are targeting or are we uh, waiting to the later rounds if we don't get one of the first two? Um, Out of this tier, if we're looking strictly at ADP, I, I love Dallas Goddard where he's currently going at the 6-7 turn. Um, that's basically right where Deshaun Watson was going. And I made that point where if one of the kind of mid, not mid, but starting level tight ends were at the same point as Deshaun Watson, I would take them. I would take Dallas Goddard all day over Deshaun Watson if they're both sitting there at the six, seven turn for me. So um, just some relevance to that. TJ Hawkinson, I'm not taking. I feel like you're missing out on too good of a player at that early in the draft for I understand he did have a really uh, two really big games last year that gave you some confidence, but he also threw some duds in there as well. Um, also, I think it's fair to say Adam Thielen had a pretty steep drop off in 
athleticism or production, whichever one you want to describe. Uh, definitely production, but you could say athleticism. There probably wasn't as strong of a competition for targets as you're going to see with Jordan Addison this year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the running game is a little bit of a question mark, so maybe you can argue Hawkinson there, but I, I just can't argue Hawkinson that early. I made the point I like George Kittle um, at his ADP here. That would be the 5-6 turn at 60th overall. I don't mind it um, because the way you got to look at it is you either got to take Kittle if you're on the early end of the draft or you're taking Goddard towards the back end of basically the same round. Um, so if you're on the earlier side of the draft and you want one of these guys, I think Waller would be my pick. Over, or, no, Kittle would be my pick over Waller for sure. And then if you're falling back into the second, you know, if you're on the back end of the draft, I would go Goddard over Pitts and just hope you get the better value out of those two. Um, but for me, Hawkinson's gone. And then if I'm on the front half Kittle, back half would be Goddard for this tier. Yeah, this is a tier I've not really found much success with in the past as far as the mid-round tight ends go. I feel like a lot of times we you know, have a lot of hopes for these type of guys. But then at the end of the day, you know, there are two to three difference makers and not a lot beyond that. Uh, basically, you, know, you say a, t- a guy finishes at tight end four. But then you really get into the numbers, and he wasn't much better than, say, you know, tight end nine or ten. So uh, I think a lot of times we kind of split hairs over these guys. I'm probably going to be taking running backs, wide receivers, and quarterbacks over any one of these guys. Uh, I think Pitts is the one that really interests me because I think he is the the single one of these guys that has the opportunity to jump into the top three based on talent and actually make a difference for your league if he gets some touchdown variants. So. I'm okay taking pits in the sixth or seventh round if, you know, we have a lot of running backs and wide receivers that we're targeting in that range that have gone off the board for whatever reason. Say your quarterback has either been taken care of or, uh, you know, the guys you like in that range are gone. I'm okay taking my shot on pits and then Goddard after that. I, I like him as well for similar reasons. I think he has a little bit of a lower floor, but. If we saw an injury to uh, either Devontae Smith or AJ Brown, I think Goddard has a really high ceiling as well. So, uh, I think Pitts and Goddard, I'm looking forward round six or seven, depending on circumstance, but probably just avoiding this tier altogether. I have little to no interest in TJ Hawkinson. I don't love him as a player, and this ADP is just insane. Round four or five is way too high of a premium to pay on him. And then Kittle, uh, again, we had a long discussion about him in our tight end disagreements episode. I won't belabor those points. I'm not very high on him. And then Waller is, uh, I believe, tight end nine on my board that is below some of the guys in tier four. So uh, I am avoiding him as well. Just don't trust Daniel Jones to be a consistent thrower of the football. I don't think there's going to be enough of a pie to go around there in New York for an elite level tight end. I think he's, uh, you know, he's going to be what these tier three guys usually are, which is inconsistent. Yeah. I also heard a stat that I don't think Daniel Jones has ever had a wide receiver or tight end get over 750 yards uh, in a season. So that checks out. I mean, yeah, I just, I don't think Waller is going to be that guy that takes him over the edge. I think Waller a few years ago with what he did with Derek Carr could have taken Daniel Jones over the edge, but we're like four NFL seasons since that year at this point. So I think he's a lot of name and his ADP is driven by his name and a lot of camp hype, but I just, I, he has injury concerns written all over him as soon as the season starts and as soon as he gets out there. So for me, when you're talking about, again, that five, six turn, no shot am I taking a tight end that I don't even feel confident could play 12 games this year. There's a chance he misses, you know, five, six, seven games and 
what do you do? And then you're down here streaming Jawan Johnson or something like that. Like you can't waste your five, six, five, fifth or sixth round pick on that. I can't believe Pitts is going after Waller. That just that blows my mind. I, I think uh, you know you're yeah. looking at a vastly superior athlete with a way higher ceiling, um, and you know he has what a twenty percent chance to hit it, but at least that chance is there. And if he you know if he doesn't hit, you can cut and turn to one of these tier five guys that we'll get to in a little bit, as you probably will be doing with most of these tight ends anyway. Um, we have uh, one more tier in between. Um, the, the, you know, super late round guys and, uh, the tier three guys we just talked about, that's tier four. These are rounds eight through 10. We have Evan Ingram, Pat Fryermuth and David Njoku. Evan Ingram, uh, in a bit of a mini tier of his own at 90.6. Goddard in the, uh, tier three at the end of tier three was 73.7. And then Fryermuth is 108.6. So he's kind of right in the middle of both those guys in his own round. And then Njoku is, uh, 112 right behind Fryermuth. So, uh, do any one of these tier four guys interest you? And if so, which one are we targeting? All three of them interest me at where they're going currently in the draft. Uh, I think your note here is pretty good. Um, but Evan Ingram on our tight ends disagreement episode, I argued in the affirmative. I think Evan Ingram, if you are someone who doubts Calvin Ridley can come back and be dominant, Evan Ingram needs to be all over your fantasy board because there ha- he – was maybe not the number one option, but he was pretty darn close to it down the stretch of the season last year for Jacksonville. So getting him all the way in the eighth to 10th or 90th overall pick is for me, great value. If you're someone who's more on the Calvin Ridley can be a number one option. I'm a little bit more scared of Evan Ingram and just his week to week consistency, but we're talking about tier four tight ends. You're going to be concerned with all these guys week to week consistency. Uh, Pat Fryermuth. It would probably be the third guy out of this tier I would draft simply because of Kenny Pickett. I think Kenny Pickett has the lowest ceiling out of all three quarterbacks, and there's plenty of options in Pittsburgh. Whether or not they're great options or not, there's still other guys who can just get thrown the football. So, um, But I would still take him. Like if, he, if he's at his ADP and I don't feel – well, I guess if they're both on the board, I'm taking Njoku over him since their ADP is so close, but – if Njoku gets taken before him, I don't mind grabbing Fryer Muth if he's the last guy out of this tier available for me. So it would go Evan Ingram, David Njoku, Fryer Muth, but all three of the all three of these guys just where because you're not paying anywhere near a premium draft value. By the time you're getting to the eighth to tenth, you're taking flyers on other positions anyway. So a flyer on the tight end position isn't as concerning, I would say. Yeah, I'm still I think I'm more like more not likely than likely to take one of these guys, even if I haven't gotten a tight end to this point. Uh, I'm waiting until the end of this band here in round 10. If one of these guys is available and there is not one of my running back targets that has a running back or wide receiver targets that's fallen a round or two, then I'll go ahead and snag them. David and joke is my favorite here. He is uh, tight end six for me on my board. So he would easily be my favorite target here because he is the last out of ADP here mostly because Kevin Stavansky's offense has always been super friendly to the tight end, and I think he has a legitimate chance to be the second option on a potentially really good Browns offense. Pat Fryermuth would be my second choice. Again, I think he has a decent chance to be the second overall target in Pittsburgh, and he has had some really good target share numbers with Kenny Pickett starting. Also was a super, super efficient red zone option his first year in the league. Only scored two touchdowns last year, but that's because the Pittsburgh Steelers threw like 
10 touchdowns as a team all of last year, which is just not going to repeat itself. So if Fryermuth can get some yeah. better touchdown luck, he actually might be a pretty damn good player that gets a little bit overlooked. I'm not so interested in Evan Ingram. Again, I was on the uh, the other side of the argument in the tight end disagreements episode where I just think there's a lot of malice of beating Jacksonville. I think he'll have his weeks, but he'll be pretty inconsistent, just like pretty much any tight end. But I think I can wait into this tier five range and get somebody that'll give me similar production on a week to week basis. Uh, but point being, uh, I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. If again, one of these guys is still there in round 10 and all of my preferred round eight, round nine running back wide receiver options are gone. I'll take one preferably Njoku. Yep. I, I think we're pretty similar. The only one we really disagree on is Evan Ingram. Yeah. And if you want to hear that discussion, go check out the tight ends. Disagreement yeah, we went in episode. Depth on we don't, we don't need to rehash that at no, 1 a.m. <laughs> this morning. No, no. Uh, but let's jump into that final tier here. Yep. Tier five. This is the round 10 plus guys. These are again, going to be the late round tight end fodder that you're looking at. Uh, probably just, you know, you're planning on streaming the position at this point. If you're taking one of these guys, which is just fine, pretty much half or maybe even more of the league will end up doing that at some point throughout the year. If you lean into it, that means you have probably fleshed out your depth at other positions, which is a, a totally fine move to make in my opinion. Uh, I don't know, Cody, if one of these guys sticks out to you more than the rest. I like Greg Dulcich. I might be slightly biased as a Broncos fan, but I really like what I saw in a limited sample as a rookie. Again, in an offense, uh, in Sean Payton's offense, tight ends have done pretty well. Uh, he is at 134.2. Um, you know, I could talk about a couple of these guys, but Cody, who is your favorite on this list? Um, you want to give the list for man, me, actually? I, I don't. I didn't actually read it yeah. out. Yeah, for sure. So tier five, we have Dalton Kincaid, Dalton Schultz, Greg Dulcich, Chig Aconquo, Tyler Higby, Cole Komet, Sam Laporta, Who's a rookie getting some steam for Detroit? That's right. Right? Cool. Gerald Everett, Jawan Johnson, and Irv Smith. And Irv Smith's now in Cincinnati? Correct. Yeah. Okay. That was for the listeners, of course. I absolutely knew that. <laughs> <laughs> I could tell by your tone uh, of voice. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so when I get down into this tier, I I have to just start Googling all the rookie tight end statistics to pull me back off the Dalton Kincaid ledge yeah. uh, just because when I get down this far in the draft, like drafting any of these guys, if I'm being honest, doesn't really excite me. I was really excited for Chica Conquo before D hop got there. Mm-hmm. Um, but similar to Traylon Burks, like I don't really know if I want the second to third First option cold for, water on uh, it for sure. Tannehill. Yep. So I would say Dulcich is up there just because there's been, Obviously, you have Tim Patrick getting hurt in Denver, mm-hmm. so there's just going to be maybe some more opportunity for him. Um, is Albert O gone? I don't actually – I don't think so. I believe he is still on the Broncos. Let me go ahead and double-check while okay. you uh, finish up your point on the rest if, of the If he is still there, we already saw last year Greg Dulcich was getting on the field for him, so I don't think there's going to be too much of a competition at that position for targets for him. So I, I like Dulcich um, – but honestly, I mean, if you're someone who wants to take the shot in Dalton Kincaid and just the chance that he becomes Josh Allen's slot wide receiver that you get to put at tight end and he becomes the next fantasy cheat code, can't blame you because I'll probably do it in a couple leagues as well because it's just too good. And if he's not and he goes out there for a couple weeks and he's just not targeted or not involved in the offense to the point where you'd want him, that's fine. I'm going to drop him and go pick up a guy at a similar level anyway. So – 
I just when I'm looking at this tier, it's basically I think Greg Dulcich is the only guy here that can become a viable enough weapon on their team to jump into startable category every week. And then Kincaid is the only guy out of this tier that I think could become superstar potential just based on how he's used in the offense. So it's one of those two guys for me. If they don't work out, I will drop them and pick up another guy in this tier and kind of just reshuffle like you do when you're streaming tight ends. But though Kincaid and Dulcich would be the two that if I'm getting this late in drafts, I would take. I do before you, I guess, well, let's throw it back to you first. Are you the same with those two? Is there anyone else in this tier that you want to shout out or talk about a little bit more? I think uh, I think I would agree in that Kincaid and Dulcich are my two targets here. Kincaid, I think you have to pair with somebody else. I would not want to start Kincaid week one just because his role is going to be very undefined. I think when you are looking in this late tier, again, if you want to throw Kincaid on your bench just like a running back or wide receiver flyer that could be a startable option down the road, that's what you're looking at him as. If you get him in round 11-plus, I'm all for it. But any earlier than that, I'm probably just sticking to the running backs and wide receivers themselves. I'd pair Kincaid with a guy like Gerald Everett, a guy like Irv Smith, you know, guys that are on really good offenses that have chances to score touchdowns and you know, on offenses that we know are going to score touchdowns You know, any given week. They might not be super high up on the priority chart, but the fact that they are tight ends and on the field uh, with Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert means that they're going to have a chance to have decent weeks. Uh, you know, every week they're out there. The rest of these guys, I see massive holes with Dalton Schultz. Who knows where the pecking order is going to go in Houston? I don't think he's much of a you know a super special player anyway. Chico Conquo, we hashed out. Tyler Higby, super inefficient in an offense that could just be not very good this year outside of uh, you know Cooper Cup, Cole Komet third option on an offense that's not going to throw the ball very much. No, thank you. Sam Laporta, a traditional inline tight end. They uh, traditionally struggle very mightily as rookies. And even if he plays, you know, if he does does end up running into form, it's probably going to be later in the year. And then Juwan Johnson is similar to Everett and Herb Smith to me on a worse offense. So I, I think I'd be leaning towards uh, those guys if I'm, you know, completely punting the position. Yeah. I actually don't mind grabbing Kincaid and then Irv Smith with probably what yes, basically exactly. your last pick in I'm your totally draft or just taking them right off the waiver wire. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, you could throw Irv Smith out there week one. I would maybe be a little bit more cautious if Joe Burrow's not there for oh, week of one. Yeah. If something like that were oh, to happen, yeah. like that's obviously a, mm-hmm. an asterisk there. But if you get good Joe Burrow news, Kincaid, and then just putting Irv Smith in your lineup yep. week one, hoping Kincaid shows something, that's fine. Uh yeah, I like that. Other than that, like you said, a lot of these other guys are just – they're the streaming level. They're going to find their way into lineups through bye weeks, through injuries, through one random game that someone's going to want to think that they can catch fire and go on a run. So yep. good names to know. But if I'm leaving my draft, I think I think we can easily say Mark Andrews is the top target for both of us. Yes. And then once we get out of there, the tier three guys, it all depends on where they're at in your draft. If you're getting value compared to their ADP, I think they're worth taking a look at, but it also depends on receivers, running backs. Tier four, the targets that we're both pretty comfortable with, Pat Fryer, Mute David, and Joking, and then I like Evan Ingram more. And then tier five, Kincaid, Dulcich. And if you're going to draft Kincaid, pair him up with a later round tight end that you feel comfortable playing week one. I think the tight end position is pretty easy. It's yeah. It's – like it always is, which makes these these pretty easy. Um, I guess is there any 
just overall, since we kind of wrap this up a little sooner, last year the quarter or the tight end was so like Travis Kelsey was so far and away the top tier tight end because we had Andrew struggles, we had Kittle struggle with injuries and quarterback changes, Hawkinson on a new team. Like, do you feel like we're going to get more parity at the tight end position, or do you feel like there's a chance that Kelsey and or Andrews are both able to just kind of lap the field around the other guys? So I'm I'm pretty confident that tight end is going to be what it's been because it's been that way for quite a few years and really just dating back to, you know, however long you want to go back for fantasy. It's always been a couple good guys up top. You know, obviously there's been, you know, spike years here and there where, you know, there's maybe been five or six decent options. But uh, for the most part, you're looking at three or four good options, two elite options, and not much else other than that in the way of consistency. And I think we're probably going to find that again because that's, what we're expecting based on ADP. Uh, yeah, I don't really have much else to add other than in smaller leagues, I am considering Kelsey in the first, depending on your options. Uh, but again, probably not leaning that way. Tier three, I am even colder than you are. Even though you said you weren't really considering those guys, I'm probably staying away other than my occasional shot at Pitts in round late round six, round seven, and then uh, you know maybe a Goddard as well. And then, yeah, like you said, Fryermuth and Joku, I'm okay with in round 10. And then the late guys... Take a high upside guy and a you know super safe guy on a good offense like Irv Smith or uh, Gerald Everett. Love it. I mean, that's the best way to wrap up right there. If you have any other tight ends that we don't feel like we highlighted enough, let us know on social media. We'd be more than happy to tell you that they're probably not worth drafting. Don't do it. Just stop. Yeah. All right. Well, it is 108. This will be out, uh, like we said, on Monday. So we ready on Wednesday and Friday for running backs and wide receivers. We'll get those knocked out for you. That way, if you're drafting next weekend, it is ready. Peace out.